Welcome back to the Real Freedom Podcast with your host, Ryan Weimer. Solo edition today, I'm going to be talking about the 43-unit deal that we just closed on after two and a half years and a few gray hairs, actually a lot of gray hair. I'm going to take you guys through step-by-step on what happened with this deal, both good and bad, so you guys can learn from it. But there's a lot of failure that happened here. I want everybody to be able to learn from it. So... Just to clarify a couple things, we didn't actually go through with the full construction of the 43 units, okay? So when you buy a piece of land, you can sell it as is, or you can sell it with some amount of construction drawings, surveys, permits, approvals, right? And that adds value to the property because that takes time, effort, and money. Makes sense, okay? Or you can sell it with the final stamp of approval, like, hey, you've passed all these studies, All these, you pass planning and zoning, you pass design review, whatever the specific county or city requires, you've passed all this stuff, your permits are ready to be picked up at the city clerk. That's known as being shovel ready, okay? So when you see properties that are listed as entitled and you know this and that approved, it's not all apples to apples. There's a lot of gray area in that. And sometimes, a lot of times, unfortunately, brokers or realtors they, they don't know shit about development. Some of them purposely mislabel it so it can be marketed better. And some of them just don't know any different. So just be very careful when you're looking at that. Anyways, back to the 43 unit. So this was actually a foreclosure. It had a, an old restaurant on it that hasn't been used in like three years. It's vacant. So this property is in Idaho Falls. You can look it up. It's 187 East 1st Street in Idaho Falls. We don't do a ton of deals in Idaho Falls. So that's number one is your success or failure with these kind of deals is it's going to be it's going to need to be a place in an area that you're familiar with. Now, the actual deal itself, it was brought to us by another wholesaler. So this guy had owned this restaurant. It had been vacant for three years. It was on just shy of an acre parcel and about a block from the highway, like the location uh, proximity to main infrastructure and everything was great, but it was an up and coming area. When you hear somebody say up and coming, that's a really nice way of saying gentrifying. So a gentrifying area means, well, it's not really the place to be right now. It's not the hot neighborhood. Like nobody really wants to be there unless they have to be, but everything is extending out that way. And there's new restaurants, there's new homes going in. It's in the path of progress. So future prospects for that location are fantastic. That's how you make a lot of really good money when you're buying and holding properties or you're buying investments in general, right? Is you want to know what that future looks like. And if that future looks bright, then it's probably one worth looking at. So the guy was going to lose the property to foreclosure within 72 hours when it first got brought to me. So right away, this is typically a big no-no for development deals. 72 hours, that you can't even get a call back from the city or county in 72 hours to find out what you can build or how, what time, how much time it's going to take. But the price was such a, a screen. It was a foreclosure. So the price was such a screaming deal that even if we just fixed up the current restaurant on the lot or demoed it and sold it as raw land at the time, we still would have made 
a pretty sizable profit. So it was one of those no-brainer prices that made it worth it where, you know, the wholesaler had had said, hey, you should call a city because they, they're they saying they're, they'll approve high-density housing here or whatever. And he was trying to get the deal sold, right? So this is all like half-assed marketing, I guess. Anyways, I was able to make Within that 72 hours before we decided, hey, let's pull the trigger on this or not, let's buy it from this wholesaler, I called the city a couple times and they actually had this huge plan for redevelopment for that area. So they had spent a bunch of money on like a whole plan for new infrastructure. They were going to give some tax credits to whoever came in and developed any of those lots, but basically they had this area called Northgate Mile in Idaho Falls as one of their sites for redevelopment that they really want to help a builder gentrify the area. Now, I had never had this experience in Boise or Garden City or anything else in Idaho because all my other parcels that we have going through the same process, it's like pulling teeth to get shit approved. So it was really weird for me to call them and they were like, oh my gosh, yeah, we would love to you know, work with you and we can even make some parking concessions so you can get some more density. We we would like to offer maybe even a tax credit to if it helps you. Like they really wanted this area to be redeveloped because they needed housing and still need housing really, really badly. There's nothing affordable. Rents are they need we need more meaningful supply. And to give some context, Idaho Falls has a population of like 300,000 roughly, maybe a hair less than that. So it's not it's not very big at all but it's not podunk. It's an established city. It's got good infrastructure. So there's a lot of people moving there and it's close proximity to Jackson Hole, to Yellowstone. It's got a a lot of really cool things going for it. It's a beautiful area. Anyways, just from those initial talks with the city, I decided to pull the trigger. Our purchase price was 287,000. So we closed, I closed with a hard money lender. Now this was, this was two and a half years ago when we bought this. So at the time, I had probably three or four different lenders that I like to work with. Now we, we fund a majority of our stuff with private individuals. But back then, in order for us to pull off a closing within three days, I had to call my most expensive hard money lender to make it work. And they, they were able to do it. So we bought it. Through discussions with the city, I you know in those first 72 hours, I asked them about the zoning and I was able to get enough information that made me feel comfortable of like, okay, they're going to support me through this. Like this is already a no brainer deal just as is, but they're going to support me through this process and they're not going to make it horrible or miserable for me. And they told me it was going to be about six to eight months to get uh, approvals for build permits. Okay. So I'm used to dealing with a year, a year and a half in Boise or Garden City. So six to eight months sounds really good for me. That's positive. This was back in summer of 2021, right? So we're still like kind of coming out of COVID slash still in the middle of it. How long did it actually end up taking to get build permits? 14 months. Okay. 14 months. Me being a bit naive to this, I had penciled in 10 months. Okay. So I was trying to be conservative and I just wasn't conservative enough. Uh, But we underwrote it and looked at it and said, gosh, if we get build permits and we build this thing, I think it was going to be about a nine and a half million dollar build. And based on the pro forma with and talks with the architect, now we're a few months in, I get the site plans back. Wow, we can do 43 units. The city is going to waive parking 
uh, requirements. They're going to allow us to use some street parking so we can get some extra units. It's going to be mixed use. It's going to be three stories. We're going to have commercial on the bottom floor and then two stories of residential. And we're not, they're completely waiving all parking requirements for the commercial space. So we basically got that for free. So this is all sounding really good. And when I'm looking at the numbers, it's like a nine and a half million dollar build. And when it's done, it could be worth anywhere from 12 and a half to 13 and a half million. That's a pretty good project to build out. Now, when I was underwriting the numbers after we got the density finalized and whatever, selling it fully entitled. So not actually doing the construction but going through the process of approvals to get all our plans approved, all our studies done, all the drawings done with edits and everything and get everything dialed in with the city. Even if I sold the land fully entitled, permits ready, shovel ready to a builder at about 1.4 million, that would still leave a builder about two and a half million dollars of profit. And I would make, gosh, it'd be my, my drawings cost about 160 grand through the architect. Yeah, I know that's a lot for drawings. You'd think they'd have diamond emblems held in a gold frame or something, but 160 K for drawings and then 287 for the land. Plus my holding costs with the hard money lender. I only had to put 5% down, but it was 12 and a half percent interest, three points. So I'm penciling in Hey, this takes me 10 months. I have so much stuff going on in Boise and Garden City. I know better than to mess with another, a construction project outside of our normal territory. I'm thinking even though three and a half, I can make over $3 million building this, maybe even 4 million. I know better, like I don't want to deal with it and worry about potential issues that come up during construction or any of that outside of my core territory. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, gosh, 1.4, I'm probably all in 287, the 160 plus holding costs. And then I got sale costs on the back side. I could stand to make about anywhere from 700 to 850 grand on this thing in 10 months. That's a pretty sweet deal, right? And so I start getting in love with the spreadsheet math of it all. And then the months roll on and you know, the six to eight months turns into 10 months. And this whole time you are getting secondhand information. So your architect should be responsible for copying you on all the emails and handling the communication with the city. Hey, we got this stuff in, we need to push it across the finish line. Where are we at on the list to review it? What needs to be reviewed? What are the next steps in the process? Your architect is the one pushing all this. And to be fair, my architect was doing everything they could. The city was just so backlogged. My plans just sat on somebody's desk for like four and a half months before we even got to a first review. I mean, it was insane. We were checking in every other week, sometimes every week, and just getting a response of, we're not there yet, we're not there yet, we're not there yet. So that's not what you want to hear. So finally, after the 14 months, okay, I get <laughs> final approval. And I'm like, Eureka, 14 months from summer of 2021, was right when interest rates changed, okay? So now all of a sudden, I underwrote this thing at like a five cap, five and a half cap, and now stuff is trading at a six cap, six and a half cap for, for new product in this area, sometimes even a seven, okay? So I thought when I underwrote the project that, hey, stuff's trading at a four cap, I'm underwriting at a five to five and a half, like I'm being, I'm being conservative. And for those of you that don't know what I'm what I'm saying when I say cap is a cap rate and it's how a commercial property is valued based on the income that it brings in. It's just what what things are 
uh, trading at in terms of a investor's return. So that's how how you value anything over four units in residential and also all commercial buildings, office space, et cetera. Okay. I feel like I'm being conservative and all of a sudden stuff is trading at even worse than what my conservative estimate said. Not a problem. You know what? I I thought I was going to be able to sell this for 1.4 fully entitled. Man, I'll I'll probably sell it for like 800 now and I'll still make a few hundred grand and everything will be good. So we get we get permits in hand. We do less than 10 deals a year in Idaho Falls. So I'm not as familiar with the brokers or who's doing all these commercial deals. So I called and vetted four different brokers. And the feedback I got was for this one guy, he shall remain nameless. <laughs> but I have not had a worse experience with a broker or realtor than this guy. I mean, this this guy was exactly what you'd expect from a small town broker that thinks he's a shit and so full of himself. And everybody, when I called his references initially, because I was looking at who should I list this with, they all gave me pretty much the same answer. I didn't like any of the options that I had, but of the shitty options, he was the least shitty because he at least he's at least really well connected in the area and knows a lot of builders. And if if I was you, that's probably who I would go with, because at the end of the day, he's probably the best one to get it sold. So not exactly what you want to hear, right? But okay, limited options. It's a it's a smaller place, whatever. So I sign up with him. So the property is now listed for sale, fully entitled, like shovel ready. Permits uh, are approved. I've done you know now fourteen months of work and paying cash for the architect drawing and approvals and reviews. Right, a lot of lenders won't fund that kind of stuff. Those are called soft costs. And so typically it's on the developer or the person that owns the property to fund that with cash. You know, I got the holding costs and then I got the 160K in soft costs. Oh yeah. Okay. So the other reason why I went with this broker is he had just sold his own commercial project. It was like, I want to say 28 units or 30 units, literally on the same street, about a mile away. Okay. So that's actually how I first got in touch with the broker is... I was underwriting all of my math based on his listing price, his rental numbers, like everything was dialed in. There was no miscalculating of, well, I don't really know this area, so I'm just going to guess on the rents. No, none of that happened. Like everything was dialed in and I was using, I was talking to this guy on a regular basis about how his deal was sold, whatever, but his sold prior to interest rates going up. So he sold fully, same kind of thing, fully entitled property, wasn't under construction yet. And that's how I was basing all my numbers off of. And so it only made sense. Okay. Well, he had a lot of people interested in that one. It only made sense. Let me list with this guy. He's already got all the people that were interested. We should get this sold in no time. So about three weeks go by into the listing and this broker is calling me and he's saying, yeah, I got a bunch of buyers that that would love to do this. What do you think is the best price that you could do for them? And I'm like, you're my listing broker. Like you're representing me. What's the, what's the best price that they can do? Well, you know, I've ran it past a few of them. They're just, they're just wanting to see if, you know, there's any wiggle room. And I'm like, what the fuck, who the fuck do you think you are? Who do you work for? I have never had that kind of experience with a broker before, but honestly, what I wanted to tell him was who the fuck are you working for? 
And it was in that moment that I realized this is the good old boys club. Like I've worked with you before and now let's, let's try and negotiate this guy down so that I can, I can do you a solid as the buyer. And then you'll bring me your listing later on. Once that's how a lot of these commercial brokers roll. They're like, for those of you that are familiar with South Park, they're like PC principal. He totally fit the mold, man. He looked exactly like PC principal and acted like a total douchebag. It's hard for me to talk like this. I don't talk about people like this, all right? I'm just telling you based on my experience, the kind of conversations that we were having, this guy would just over-talk me. He wouldn't listen to me. It was just eye-opening to experience for yourself. So anyways, we go under contract with this buyer, I think at 725. And he puts down 10K earnest money and he has a 60 day or no, he had a 30 day due diligence period and then a 60 day close. Normally, I would never accept any kind of due diligence period on a property that's already fully permitted and shovel ready. Like this isn't the half assed, hey, we got one approval and you have to take this thing the rest of the way with the city. No, this is the permits are ready at the city. What do you need the due diligence for? And the answer that I got was, well, you know, we just need to make sure that our numbers are right and that our construction bids are in order. And I'm like, I don't do that. But guys, in this kind of environment with interest rates, there just wasn't as much interest in a multifamily new construction asset like that. So I had to bite my lip and just take the best terms that I could. The, th the guy's 30 days due diligence went up and, and plus another 30 days into his closing period. So he had another 30 days to close and he comes out and he asks us for an extension to closing. And I'm like, okay, what do you need the extension for? And he couldn't really provide me an answer. And if you remember what fall of 2022 was like, there's a lot of prices were falling in Idaho and in the Western half um, of the US. So he was, it, it was totally out of fear. He just didn't want to admit it. But I smelled that, so I just said no. And so he canceled, but I got to keep his his earnest money, his 10,000 bucks. I didn't give him an outright no, but I think I said, hey, if you wanna extend another 30 days, then you gotta put another you know, 15,000 earnest money hard. And he wouldn't do it. So that's how I know that like, he actually wasn't going to close or wasn't serious about closing. And as a seller, it'd be better for me to go back on market as a new property, then just waste another 30 days with this guy when he's probably just going to ask me for another 30 again. If he's not putting any more skin in the game, that's a time that I felt like I needed to bail. So I did. Well, then all the you know doom and gloom was coming out and I didn't get another offer for like three or four months. So now we're, it's past Christmas and we're into 2023 and I get another offer from this guy at like 625 or and even worse terms than that. He wanted like a 60 day due diligence and then a 30 day close. So I was just like, oh shit, I'm not getting any other uh, offers. Meanwhile, right? My broker is just beating me up and I'm like, dude, what do we got to do to get this thing sold? What do we need to do to get this thing sold? And he's like, well, what's the best price you would do? What's the best price you would do? And I was telling him and we were reducing and he, he wasn't communicating with me in a timely manner. And that's how you know when somebody's actually not really working to get your property sold. It's it's all a communication thing. So anyways, this buyer, prior to his due diligence period expiring and his earnest money going hard, I get an email on a Friday afternoon or Friday late. And it says, hey, I just spoke with so-and-so at the city. And yeah, that property that you said was fully entitled and you had approved for build permits, 
they're saying you're like eight months from getting fully approved build permits. And I'm like, what? What the fuck? Are you serious? But it was the end of the day Friday. And so then he sent his cancellation. He's like, you guys lied about this. And this is not fully entitled. And I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like, how is in the world is this possible? So then I'm like scrambling and I'm like, what did I miss? What did I do wrong? Did something not get signed? Oh my gosh, another eight months. Meanwhile, I've already paid like two extensions to my hard money lender on this thing because I can't get it sold yet. And because the first buyer backed out. So I'm already up in holding costs. Again, it's 12 and a half percent a month. I'm out all this cash. And now my, my purchase price keeps coming down. And I'm like, I thought I was going to make a million bucks on this. And now my world seems to be crashing down. That's the feeling that I was happening, having in real time because it was just like, you have to be kidding me. How in the world could this not be approved? And I so, so I believed him, right? But it was the end of the day, Friday. So I had to go the entire weekend without being able to call the city and be like, what in the world are you guys talking about? I write back and I'm like, this guy is not true. And I had to wait until Monday morning. It was a brutal weekend because you're just sitting there like, what, what did I do wrong? Like, I'm not able to check. Like I have, I checked my email and their email says you're fully approved. And I'm like, what went wrong, right? Why would the city tell them that on this project? And so then Monday at noon, I get an email back or I get a call and an email back from the city. And they're like, we are so sorry. We don't know how it happened, but we mixed up your project with another one. And so we told your buyer the wrong thing and he had already canceled. He already sent over the cancellation. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Meanwhile, the buyer had like just lost faith. And he's like, well, what else are they hiding? Right. The city told me one thing. So that's probably a situation where I could have sued the city because they told them misinformation and that led to that buyer backing out. But my broker actually advised me, hey, don't sign the cancellation that he sent over because with this information now, he's still technically under contract. And without you signing it, like, He's still, nothing's changed from his point of view, right? We had this little hiccup of miscommunication, but now everything's fine. But given what was happening in the economy and interest rates, this buyer was totally using it as an excuse of like, no, I'm, I'm backing out now. I didn't sign it. And so uh, an, another few weeks went by and then my broker finally calls the buyer and he's like, hey, look, I mean, we never signed the cancellation. Like you, you still need to close per the contract here in 30 days. But then it was discovered that there was an easement on the property of this sign, a billboard, and that I had known about. And now he had contacted this sign company, which I had also contacted them and tried to buy the easement from them to avoid it. But this sign is like on the corner of the, of the parcel, right? On the, the piece of land. And it's like a little easement, but the sign, the sign owners or the easement owners are saying, hey, if you build that, then we're going to sue you because now our sign is only viewable for like this much time as you're driving down the road instead of what it used to be in this much. And there's nothing in the easement that says like how much time it needs to be visible or whatever. In fact, it specifically mentions that it needs to be viewable from the other direction. So in other words, our property, our 43 unit getting built there wouldn't infringe on what the easement says where it needs to be viewable from because we had a highway a block away. And so they just wanted it to be viewed from the highway because that's where it gets the most eyeballs. Makes sense, right? 
Well, so now this buyer has given us another excuse on, hey, this is the reason I can't close because I don't want to risk a lawsuit. I'm like, well, shit, there goes our second buyer because he sent us the cancellation before I already signed. And now there's this other thing. So I'm like, oh, crap. So I go back to the sign company and I say, guys, what's it going to take for me to just buy this easement from you? Because I don't want to deal with this. And they gave me like some crap about we're not going to sell it for what you offered. When I first bought the property, I tried to take care of this right away. And they wanted something like they wanted like five times the market value of the income that that sign was bringing in. So I was just like, screw it. I, I can't, I'm not going to pay you that. So what I did is I actually got my attorney involved and voila, my attorney, just because I had somebody legal representing me, was able to negotiate to get that easement price down to, I think 15,000 is what I paid to have that easement removed or, or to buy that easement and have the sign removed. So that takes another couple months. And now finally I'm back on market again and it's complete crickets. And at this time I'm like, all right, I'm, I can't deal with this broker anymore. Every conversation I have with him is about like, what are you going to do for these buyers? And then he's saying that I screwed up the first buyer. So he's like, I had this thing ready to be sold and you just wouldn't give him an extension. And I'm like, dude, fuck off. You're gone. There's a time and a place for the experienced broker that's well-connected. Then there's a time and a place for the grinder that's like going to make a hundred calls a day on your behalf to try to get the thing moved. And it felt like we were in an environment there putting some elbow grease into getting this, this thing sold is the only way it's going to get moved. So I, I switched brokers. I had him listed. He was calling a bunch of people. After a couple months of that, I got an offer at 525. But the only, the only caveat to that was it was a 90 day due diligence and close. So literally his earnest money was not hard for one day during that entire 90 day period. And I'm like, shit, but this is the only offer I can get, but he has no skin in the game. So why in the world would I sign that in 90 days? He, he's just going to hedge his bets. This is what I would do if I was a buyer, right? Why wouldn't I get something under contract with that long of a due diligence and close? I'm just going to get it under contract and then see what, how the economy goes. And if things get worse or whatever, then I'll bail. But if things get better, then I'm in great position to take it on. So I sign it. I signed the offer 525. Again, I thought I was going to make 1.4 on this thing. So almost, almost a million dollars lower. All right. And I just suck up my pride and I'm just like, please, I, I know this has like a 10 or 20% chance of actually closing. And I'm preparing mentally that it's not going to close. So the first 30 days go by and we have like no communication from the buyer. And so my broker's like calling and texting him every week or so to get updates. And he's just not responding. So finally, he responds like super cryptic stuff, like still looking good. Lending is looking good. Um, getting construction bids. OK, usually you do that like earlier in the process when you're actually underwriting the deal on getting that stuff, but super vague. So another 20 to 30 days go by and I'm like, this guy isn't going to close like we haven't heard anything from him except those one or two messages. Like, has he even ordered the appraisal? Like, how is he funding this $9 million build? So my broker asks him like, hey, where's the appraisal? Have you ordered the appraisal for your lender? And he just doesn't respond. So at this point, I'm like, he didn't order the appraisal. Like, he's just, he's just going to wait this thing out. So finally, about <laughs> two weeks from the closing date, which was just a couple of weeks ago, he messages us and he's like, Things are still looking my because my broker's like, dude, we haven't heard anything from you. And I actually told him to apply pressure and say, hey, 
uh, we got we're starting to get interest in a backup offer if you don't close just to just to get some information out of him on where he was at because he was just ghosting us. And finally, that got him to say, still looking good on closing, like something super stupid and vague like that. Still looking good on closing. And I'm like, this guy doesn't know what in the world he's doing. This is not like any other buyer that I've ever heard. Long story short, I show up to title to sign last week in Boise. And I'm like, have you guys heard from like, how is he funding this? Is he buying a cash? Is he... They're like, well, he's scheduled to sign, but we don't know anything about what lender he's using or anything. And I'm like, I have literally never heard of somebody scheduling their signing prior to sending lender stuff to the title company because on what lender they're using, because the title company needs to know all that for the paperwork. And that can take three or four days, depending on what lender it is. And I'm like, I have, there's, this guy is not going to close. So I signed the document still thinking like, like, I don't understand what's going on. I'm expecting this to not close, right? Because I don't, I don't want to get my hopes up and then get disappointed. And then all of a sudden I get an email, like the lender has sent the funds and we are closing tomorrow. And then I still didn't believe it. And then I finally got the wire in my bank account and hey, this thing is closed. And I just couldn't believe it. That is a really long winded story that I hope you guys can learn from on all those things. Again, these development deals are high risk, high reward. If if things had stayed the same or even just a marginal rate increase, right? I still probably make over 500 grand on this thing. So at the end of the day, I think I ended up losing about $10,000 for the experience of that. And I bought this thing at a fire sale. It was literally a foreclosure, like penciled incredible. And I still lost money on this deal. So you can imagine if I had actually been buying off the MLS from another broker and we didn't have our deal funnel, our lead funnel built to acquire off-market properties, I would have gotten smoked or I would have I would have paid more than we got under contract for and I probably would have lost uh, quite a bit more. But man, for, for that kind of tuition, two and a half years and to only lose about $10,000 on that, future me is giving myself a pat on the back right now because I know all of that is going to make me millions and millions in future deals like that. And that's really how you have to look at it. I can feel sorry for myself that I wasted two and a half years and I lost $10,000 and oh my gosh, how much time did that consume and emotional energy? And yeah, you're right. But how does that serve me? It doesn't. But all the lessons that I learned, it's already paying dividends on all of our other development stuff we have going on right now and all our other deals and all the other ways that we can shrink that approval process down depending on what city and county it's in. So hope you guys got value today. Cheers from London. Don't make the same mistakes that I did. Peace.